0: the story is written between two people is so much there without words, right? And if we have stopped looking at each other, if we've stopped seeing each other on purpose, there needs to be not just connection, but reconnection. Because the biggest predictor of people who make it and people that don't in friendships and in intimate relationships is not your ability to connect. It's your ability to repair.
1: You're listening to Makes Noise podcast, episode number 541 with guest, Dr. Jody Carrington. you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me in another episode. I want to start out this podcast by just expressing my gratitude for all of you, for y'all. I just have been so incredibly blessed to have spent the last 10 years, 10 years, 10 plus years. It was 10 years in May, 2023. I just am just so honored to be able to go on this journey with you, not just bringing you all these guests every week and doing the straight up and down podcast thing, but just having the space to talk about my own stuff and having some of you email me and DM me and tell me about your own personal lives. And it just, thank you for just listening. Thank you for listening and thank you for honoring yourself and carving out time for yourself. And I just, I am just feeling so much gratitude for the entire community, what was once known as Your Kick-Ass Life, which will kind of always be known that way for me and is now Make Some Noise podcast. I just love you. I just love you, love you, love you. If you caught last Friday's podcast episode, it was number 540. There was a big announcement there and I'm not going to say it. I want you to go listen to it if you haven't already. A big announcement in my own personal life, which is <laughs> definitely going to tra- change the trajectory of my life, but also it'll affect the podcast and what I'm talking about. And I have some, some plans to, to focus on that part of this new chapter of my life and also the massive healing that comes with that. And so stay tuned for that. I have to be very careful about how I approach it and how I deliver it. So I, I'm just excited to involve you, the community, more. I know that was one of the bits of feedback that I got from a handful of you when I sent out the podcast survey. When did I do that? Earlier this year? I'm such a terrible judge of time. It could have been two years ago, but I'm pretty sure it was earlier this year that we sent out that that podcast survey. Uh, a few of you mentioned that you would love to be a part of the podcast some way, somehow create more of a community. And I am here for that. So thank you for that. All right, let's jump into today's interview. Dr. Jodi Carrington, this was one of those interviews that I wanted so much more time with her. I had more questions and partly not just from my own curiosity, but because I believe in her work so much and agree with everything she does just vehemently. I'm definitely going to have her back on and Also, I think because it is so touching in my own life and I know what it's like to have what she talks about and also... Want so desperately what she talks about and not have it from particular people. So I do think you're going to get a lot out of it. So let me, let me tell you a little bit about her before we jump in. Dr. Jody Carrington is a renowned psychologist sought after for her expertise, energy and approach to helping people solve their most complex human centered challenges. Jody focuses much of her work around reconnection, the key to healthy relationships and productive teams. As a best-selling author, speaker, and leader of Carrington & Company, Jodi uses humor and all she has learned in her 20-year career as a psychologist to empower everyone she connects with. In her latest book, Feeling Seen, she dives into what it takes to reconnect a disconnected world. Jodi's message is as simple as it is complex. We are wired to do the hard things, but we were never meant to do any of this alone. So without further ado, here is Dr. Jodi. Jody, thank you so much for being here. Andrea
0: Owen, I've looked forward to this interview for many, many days. I cannot Your entire wait. life, the life. Oh my gosh. lost sleep. Been, I, I can't even. I can't even. Let's go. I don't know my vision board. No,
1: I'm <laughs> kidding. I, I, as with so many of my guests, we chatted before. Now we're best friends. I told you my deepest, darkest secrets already. But speaking of telling people your deepest, darkest secrets, part of your work is on connection. That's where I want to start. Like, why do you teach and talk so much about connection and reconnection? And and why is it so important right now? We have never
0: been this lonely. Despite the fact that we have so much access to resources and research, um, the Surgeon General in your country announced three weeks ago that we are now in the middle of a loneliness epidemic. Mm. People are reporting, particularly you know, adolescents, that they have never felt so alone in this journey of trying to figure out who they are and become humans. The highest rate of suicide in your country of mine yeah. is men. When we don't have anywhere to connect, see, we're wired to do all of this to, to go through divorces and survive cancer and bury our own babies, but we were never meant to do any of this alone. Mm -hmm. And the more we have exit ramps, we're neurobiologically wired for connection. You, if you disconnect from an infant, they die. Okay. But in this twist of irony that gets me every time as a psychologist, the hardest thing you will do is look into the eyes of the people you love. And we've never had this many exit ramps. I say this all the time. I mean, think about the square footage of the house that your grandfather was raised in and the square footage of the house in which we raise our babies.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: the exit ramps, the size of the beds that our grandparents slept in. Yeah. So I when mean, you say I,
1: exit ramps, like say more about that, like ways to escape, you mean? Absolutely. Right. Okay. Like if you think about, um,
0: you know, just social media. Right. In the morning, our grandparents woke up in beds this big. I'm not saying it was better or worse. I'm I'm talking about the loneliness epidemic, why we are dying from emotional illness at faster rates. The more industrialized the the country you live in, the sicker you are. Mm. And the issue is we are wired for connection, but kindness, empathy, connection is a skill that you have to learn Mm -hmm. and nobody can tell you how to do it. They have to show you. And when we have less and less, retrospective data would suggest that we look at our children 72% less of the time than our great grandparents looked at their children. Wow. And so we wonder about why, you know, kids are struggling with, you know, who they are, where they fit. Um, And then you can get a sudden hit of dopamine when you look at somebody else's story. And it's a constant state of comparison. Mm -hmm. Everybody looks so much fucking happy. Happier than we are. They're so happy. They're drinking collagen. They're having all this sex. They're doing amazing. They're happy. Everybody's happy. Fuck. Nobody's fucking happy. Okay? <laughs> right. Nobody wakes up and goes like, "I'm just so fucking happy with my it's life right static. now." Like, look at my 47 year old fucking chassis here. This is what I hoped for, and <laughs> I'm so happy with my partner. And I'm the best parent ever. What we put such an emphasis on this emotion, and the healthiest amongst us can feel all of it. We understand that the chaos is necessary to learn the calm, that you can dip into grief and pain and sadness and explore it a bit and have the safe places to do that with the people that you're navigating the world with, I think is so critically important. And when we look all the time, but we don't see what we miss is that ability to sort of, are we worthy? Do we matter? I yeah. do And we were talked even before we went on here, you know, the difference between sort of the, 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 the breadth of relationships and Mm -hmm. the depth of relationships. It takes time and energy. Some of my favorite work in couples therapy is to have people, this is it for me, okay? All I need you to do is get brave enough to look at each other. I know that in my head. That's my goal. So you'll come in, two people will come in and they'll be like, you know, man, arms are crossed. Somebody made somebody come. Most of the time, one is already irreconcilable. foot out the door. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. And so all I have to say is, you know, sort of tell me a little bit about, you know, what tell me why, tell me why her, tell me why him, you know? And one of them will say like, I don't know, got pregnant at a bush party, had to marry her. You know, I'm like, okay, time. Um, Look at my eyes. Uh, So take me back to the very beginning. What was it about this person? And it sometimes takes 20 minutes. It sometimes takes 20 sessions, but when I can get, for example, one person to be able to say something like, I don't know, man, like I, if I take it back to the beginning before she was a bitch, um, it she was somebody who I could talk to. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, you know, when I saw them, how beautiful they were or how I couldn't wait to get that conversation back again. And we would talk for hours and I felt like so like, wow, you know, and I would say things to them like this. OK, so have you ever told her that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he would be like or she would be like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the other person notoriously is always like,
1: mm Mm-mm. Or maybe they didn't say it like that.
0: Yeah. So I would say, could you do this for me right now? Could you turn your chair and take a look at them and just tell them what you told me? And every time this happens, they say, now? Yeah. It's uncomfortable. I, I've had to do that before. Can I tell you? Yeah. Do you understand? <laughs> if I can get that to happen, it's remarkable. And then they would say to me things like, I don't even know what to say. Okay. So just tell me what you told, you know, just tell them what you told me that, you know, you in all this lifetime, some of the best conversations of your life have been with them. It's been a long time, but you, those were the reasons, you know? And so they do that and say it, and I would say, you know, like, what is that like to be, you know, and they're like, fine. And every time I say to the other person, how did that feel for you? Mm-hmm. And there's always emotion because the story is written between two people is so much there without words, right? And if we have stopped looking at each other, if we've stopped seeing each other, On purpose, there needs to be not just connection, but reconnection because the biggest predictor of people who make it and people that don't in friendships and in intimate relationships is not your ability to connect. It's your ability to repair that Mm -hmm. matters the most. So it's not about how much you fight. It's not about how much sex you have. It's not about how much money you make. The biggest, if we had to narrow it down, John Gottman and uh, colleagues have studied marriage, you know, relationship for his whole career. And he said, the biggest predictor, if I were to narrow it down to one is your ability to repair when shit goes up. Because isn't this the truth? And guess how we learn to repair? Somebody has to show us. If you've never been apologized to, you can't apologize to somebody. So if we've stopped looking at our children, if we've stopped saying these things, look at me, baby boy, mommy is very sorry. Mm -hmm. That wasn't fair. Mommy was yelling. If nobody's ever done that to a child, they can't. So you look them together. Then you marry these people or you date these people. And you're like, hey, let's talk about this. I don't know. I'm sorry, but is the single most powerful word that erases an apology. And every time we're never brave enough to stick with the emotion, we always have to preface it with the but, which obliterates an apology. And so it's interesting to me when I think about, you know, this platform of reconnection and feeling seen and what that really looks like. We know in our bones how to make another person feel seen. We often aren't brave enough to do it because of our own stories.
1: Yeah. I need a I need a cigarette after that. <laughs> I don't
0: oh say my that that god we need show. to be in the same room. <laughs> we need to be no. in the same room there needs to be wine. To be cigarettes.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, what I am actually really curious about if you can briefly tell us, like, how did you get to this work? Like, what was your doctorate in? Like, did, was this by accident? Or did you know, like, from your first year in college, like, I'm going to study connection and reconnection?
0: You, you, it's so interesting. So my story and feeling seen the book that I just released, I, I tell the story of where I think this comes from. My parents had a baby, they got pregnant, the first time they ever had sex. Um, when they were in their teens, um, high school sweethearts, their families were intermingled in this, Small rural community. They hid the pregnancy, bound her belly, did all the Mm -hmm. things. My dad found a car, got her to a home for unwed mothers, and they had my sister. Um, She was adopted, and they never spoke about it the day that they drove away. They went on and got married five years later and had me and -hmm. my brother. They got divorced um, 20 years after that. And my sister found us um, almost a decade ago now, and they never told anybody. And so I remember feeling as a kid, I mean, and I mean, Quintus white, straight, able-bodied, privileged, very. Mm -hmm. This is in Canada, right? Super childhood. Yeah. Okay. And so I remember always feeling like, wow, like what my ability to make people laugh or to sort of be that brightness in a room just seems so necessary in our family system. And I often tell the story about, you know, being in school, I don't remember literacy and numeracy. I always remember how people made me feel. I remember where the teacher, my favorite teacher, you know where she was standing and what she was wearing the day she had to tell us the then sixteen year old captain of our hockey team had been killed. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking so much about like if if the big people are in charge, the little people will be okay. If there's somebody at the helm of big emotion, we we will navigate this right? And so I knew in the beginning, I wanted to be a psychologist. I worked for the police department for two years. I wanted to be a police psychologist. I love trauma and organizational stress. And then I did my residency with kids and I just fell in love with kids and trauma and really explored where our stories start, right? And and it's really so powerful to to take a look at, you know, what was that like? What was the story of yourself as a kid? and And where did you Bigger you fit in this world and is so predictive of how we then grow into ourselves. And it's not about ever changing that. It's about just giving it space that we often don't do that can be the most intricately healing experience on the planet. And so it's really about reconnecting to ourselves that matters more because when you're solid and when you have done this work, if when, and the work is like simple as dropping your shoulders, wiggling Mm -hmm. your toes, letting your gut out, Being in that sacred space of knowing your own story allows us to make really great decisions about who we want to be with and who we want to develop a business with. And whether we are good parents or good partners, we often judge ourselves when we're like this, shoulders up, Mm -hmm. gut in. (laughs) Oh my God, what about, what about, what about, right? And so we really lose this, this disconnection of, you know, who are we? What do we need? Grounded in the universe the stories that come before us always dictate where we're going. And so when we can slow that down in this very fast paced, inundated by so many things every single day, we know to be true where we are. We all started in exactly the same place. The first sound every human being on this planet felt, felt first was the heartbeat of our mamas. Mm-hmm. The rhythmic exchange, the emotional regulation, bum, bump, bump bump, bump bum. Race is a social construct. And when we get back to the idea that we all need the exact same things, which is just to be slowed down enough to reminded that we matter in times of big distress. The world has become so much simpler to me.
1: That's true. When you kind of just distill it down to, to those things that, you know, when you say them out loud, they seem so simple, but can be so incredibly complex. Unfortunately, I need to take a, a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about acknowledgement. Cause it's one of those things that I don't know if we've ever even talked about here on the show. So we will be right back. <music> What if, in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? I mean, that's what this show is all about, right? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you can do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscribers sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Their courses are so convenient and have helped me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's so easy to learn how to order food. That's where I get the most excited to use it, at Mexican restaurants, or ask for directions, speak to merchants, without having to consult language apps while on vacation, etc., Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash noise. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash noise, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash noise. Rules and restrictions may apply. blog. I want to do the things that matter to me for as long as possible, which is why I drink AG1 every morning to support my brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm laying the groundwork for long-term health. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to have them as a long-term. Partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag onecom noise. That's drinkag1.com noise. Check it out. All right. Why is and I think that, that that I pulled this line exactly from your website or social media or somewhere. Acknowledgment the answer to everything you talk about. Like why why is that so? Full stop. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people often
0: want the answer and of course we I mean, there's no one answer. I can talk I love to talk. So we could do this for like 57 years about how why whatever. But if I were to if I were like forced in a corner With a ultimatum, what is the one thing that people need more in this world? I would say, um, they need to be acknowledged and the pathway there is empathy Mm -hmm. because when we step out of judgment, everybody's story will crush your soul. Oh yeah. And simply acknowledging their stories is the only thing any of us need. And what I've learned so much about acknowledgement. So in Canada, um, the history of our country is such that, you know, we've never talked about the fact that there was a cultural genocide against indigenous peoples. And there's a big, long history about this process. And and one of the asks of indigenous peoples um, in this country of of generally white people is, can you just acknowledge what has happened to us as a race? And for a very long time, you know, white people really assumed that this was about an apology. And there's a very big difference and acknowledgement, the definition of acknowledgement is the act of holding space. The act of bearing witness to either somebody's great accomplishment or the most horrific tragedy. It involves nothing like a fix. So it's not two things. It's not an apology. And it's never a one-shot deal. You can't acknowledge somebody enough when there's that big of an issue on the table. But the third thing it must be is it must be genuine. Mm -hmm. And when you are slowed down enough to understand your ability to change, not only change a life, but save it, you understand your ability to acknowledge the guy, the homeless guy on the street, um, the, you know, the the kid who comes through and is like, fuck you. I hate you, mom. Um, Or, you know, your partner of 20 years that you want to throw a punch, like whatever the deal is, it doesn't mean you condone behavior. It doesn't mean you even support or understand it. You know, if your kid identifies as, you know, pansexual or bisexual or they want to be, you know, referred to as the pronoun they, and and you're like, oh my, this is so fucking weird. Right? Like, I don't understand what's wrong with you, you be a whatever, whatever. You don't even have to condone, support, believe, anything. But empathy requires you to suspend judgment and just really acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Seek first to understand. Tell me more. These are the three words that get me that that are the easiest pathway to allow me when I'm most distressed, because the ones who need it the most are the hardest to give it to. So when I completely disagree, don't understand, I'm so fucking at odds with somebody, or they're so upset and emotionally dysregulated that it makes me that way. These are the three words that save my ass if I can remember them in those moments. Tell me more. And typically, I don't want to know more, right? In those moments, I don't fucking want to know more. I'm mad. I want to get my point across. And with my kids, I say this quite often, like, what's the hardest part? Right. When they're like, it's not fair. Everybody has a phone except me. And I want to vape. And, like we doesn't affect your brain, mom. You don't fucking know. OK. OK. Tell me more. What's the hardest part? Right. As a leader, I ask this question all the time and I fucking hate this question. What am I missing? Yeah. Because I don't think I'm missing anything. I think you're fucking lucky to be here. Mm-hmm. P.S. But when we. It's stepping into ego, right? Exactly. And I think that's so much about acknowledgement. I mean, one of my favorite hockey coaches said this, you should see how fast I can get a kid to skate when I know the name of his dog. Mm. Mm -hmm. It is so much about believing that you're genuinely interested in me. Yeah. Everybody is remarkably fascinating. If Mm -hmm. you suspend judgment and I mean, you know, this, we talked about this as, you know, being a podcaster, how much you love this job of really truly sinking into another person without an agenda, like to what? Mm -hmm. You know, I love Mm -hmm. that. And that, that's the, the quintessential key to therapy. I never ever, the most effective interventions I would ever do have nothing to do with me giving advice. It is all about me truly trying to understand and listen. So what you, so what you mean is. Is this right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Tell, wow. So you have such a desire to believe you matter in this world. You yeah. want to feel that rush of emotion. What is it like in that place? Tell me more about that, right? I want to get it because there is always something under there and it takes time. You, the prerequisite is your own emotional regulation. Yeah. You can't give it to somebody if you've never received it or if you feel like you're a complete fuck up idiot idiot you know, you, you don't deserve somebody, they don't deserve you. Any of those things make us unable to truly sink into another. Does that make sense?
1: It, it, a hundred percent. And I'm seeing like my whole life flash before my eyes, as you're saying all of this in, uh, you know, in failures that I've had and relationships that haven't worked out mostly because that's the root cause of the problem. And, you know, I was having a conversation. I haven't talked about this on the show yet, but I was having a conversation with my, my, my first husband, um, to fill you in, he had an affair with our neighbor, got her pregnant. We've been together for thirteen years. It ended many years ago, sixteen years ago. Actually, the day that we are recording this would have been our twenty-year wedding anniversary. That's how long ago. Wow, this yeah. relationship was. And you know, we've we've we we kind of reconnected for a few weeks, and we're having some pretty meaningful conversations that were long overdue. And and those conversations could not have happened previously. And and one of the things that I told him, you know, as he apologized again for what he did, and I said, I don't even. It's not that I want an apology. I just want you to hear my experience, acknowledge it, acknowledge it, because because he was telling me like what was going on for him at that moment and like why he cheated and and I'm like I don't care and I'm like I need. We had two and in that moment, I as he's telling me, and I'm like, oh my god, he has no idea what I went through. Uh He only knows, and and vice versa too. But, and I said, all I want from you is to hear the profound humiliation that you caused me. And just, I just want you to hear it. And like, that was more healing for me than anything. And I also want to just underscore what you were saying about how we cannot give it. I was in this place for a long time before I started doing this work professionally. I could not bear my own emotions, Jody. So I sure as shit couldn't be with yours. Amen.
0: That is profound. How much easier is it to deal with somebody else's shit? And if I were to say to you, but tell me where that where you feel it. I, I ask this to of police officers all the time because they're my favorite group of people mm-hmm. to sort of dig deep with. Anybody with a big trauma history is so fascinating to me. The question isn't sort of what have you experienced? Tell me your story. It is where do you feel it? Yeah. And people fucking hate that question all the time. Because they you can tell
1: you the story just like point by point from the surface. Where do you feel it? And I will tell you, you often carry
0: it in your core, right? Mm-hmm. So people will say, it's hard for me to breathe. I feel it in my shoulder. I feel it in my chest. And then the question is, tell me more about that. Yeah. What li- what lives there? What color is it? What shape is it? And people hate that. Especially when we're very logical and practical and we've done the work and here's a plan and we got it. Okay. So next steps, let's go. We're going to yeah, do some yoga. Off the boxes. And we're going to fucking journal. Some journal. breathing yep yeah. and we're gonna just do some <laughs> kale smoothies all Cheers. of those are <laughs> I,
1: have a, I
0: have a smoothie here <laughs> I love it I love it but you know it, it's so much more about I think reconnecting to that deep place of feeling scene which again is is the depth not the breadth
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: it is it's the scariest place to go because usually that's where um pain lives and and we've done a very good job in in humanity of avoiding hard emotions if i were to ever ask anybody you know as a child psychologist what they want for their children or if you ask me what i want for my tree you know i just want them to be happy and what we don't want is people to feel pain and shame and resentment and remorse but here's the issue emotions will not kill you but no. not talking about them might hmm hmm Can you say that again? Emotions will not kill you. Anxiety, depression, they, de- they don't have the capacity to kill you, but not talking about them might. Because the stories they spin, then, the beliefs, the things that we're too scared to say or wonder about or put into the world becomes the stories that get embedded in our bones. Mm-hmm. And especially if we come from generations of abuse, neglect, trauma, we carry those with us. And if we don't have anywhere to put those in the mode, like I think about, you know, we started today with my mom's story. She had a baby out of wedlock mm. and never told anybody about her and then brought me home, looked at my face and I looked just like her, right? And was relentlessly pre- pre- protective, I'm sorry, over the two of my my siblings, obviously, right? She couldn't do enough for us. She couldn't be enough for us. After I left for college, she slept in my bed, you know, like it was like fucking weird, but she felt so like she had let the universe down, by not honoring her first baby, but also knew because the nun said, don't you ever, this is so horrific. Don't you ever yeah. find her again? Yeah. So can't. then never told anybody. And I even said to her, you know, I mean, gosh, she's 72 now and the most incredible woman I think I've ever met. And I, you know, I said to her recently, would you have ever told me like, you know, even on your deathbed, if we're, you know, like if something ever happened, she's like, and it was, it was almost like I had hurt her. She was like, No. Like there was no way that was my rule at 17. I learned that very clearly. I, your father and I would not talk about multiple. I mean, they both got remarried. They both have had partners. Neither of their part, none of their partners knew that they had another child until she showed up on our doorstep. And she's remarkable. She's five years older than me and she's looks exact. If you, if we're in the same room, you can't tell who's talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's married to a firefighter. Her kid looks more like me than my boys do. Um, she's, she's so cool. That's and we, so
1: awesome.
0: I know I love her. Yeah.
1: My biggest fan. It's amazing. What an interesting story. Thanks for, sh- for sharing that. The phrase that keeps coming up for me, and you've said it in, in more or less words is the key to connection and reconnection and acknowledgement is seeing other people's humanity. And that Personally, and I've talked about this on the show, I word it differently. And what I say is the thing I've always been after, and this is the reason that I drank, this is the reason I was so codependent, this is the reason I abused my body, was because I was always after trust, intimacy, love being seen fully, just raw, messy, chaotic. I I so desperately wanted those things, but it was the very same thing I was so fucking terrified of. Yeah. And it was this trap that I didn't know how to escape from. Like when people ask, like, why did you drink? And I'm like, it was that. <laughs> I was trying to run away from that pain, that mm-hmm. just predicament, if you will.
0: And, and here's the beautiful thing about numbing, right? Like I, I understand it more than anybody. And in fact, I think it's actually helpful for some people to be in a state of num- numbing because the it works emotions are it just doesn't. too big. until it doesn't. And, and what I love about this work is, you know, the, the, the work of in in the world of addictions period is that like you, I wish you could selectively numb. Mm -hmm. I wish you could just numb the pain. Right. And, but then you numb everything else too. Right. You numb the joy and you numb the, the things that you're seeking. You numb your ability to deeply get into relationships. You numb all of those things. And sometimes for some people, it's worth it in some chapters of your life. It's actually worth it because the pain feels too much. But I think sometimes we get overwhelmed within the enormity of how do you get out of that, the enormity of either individually, how do you get out of that because the pain is so great, the enormity of how do we serve this world? How can we ever get out of a a loneliness epidemic or, you know, that we're so, so deep in racism still that, Mm -hmm. you know, this pride is something that people like this. What, what, how can we ever do it? And I will tell you, it is remarkably simple to me. Your only job is to do the next best right kind thing. Mm -hmm. When you are in a position of acknowledging another human being, I know you're regulated because you can't give anything away if you're self-focused. If you're like, oh my God, I'm too fat. My heart's braiding too fast. I'm an idiot. Fuck, I didn't think about this. What am I? What do I want? When we're in that internal focus state, we lose our ability to give away the thing we're all here for, which is really to walk each other home. That's a Ram Dass quote. He said, we're all just here walking each other Mm -hmm. home. And I love it. And when you truly think a little bit about acknowledging other people, you know, when you walk home from work today, if there is a homeless person, one of my favorite people, um, Jesse Thistle wrote a book called From the Ashes, and he's an indigenous man in this country. And he said he was homeless and in jail and now he's finishing his PhD at, at York University. And and he, I said to him, you know, what, what was it? And he said, it, it was, I'll tell you one moment. He said, I was on the corner in Brampton, Ontario with a cup hoping somebody would just put money in it. And somebody knelt down. And looked me in the eyes and said, "Hi, my name is Kevin. What's your name?" And he said, "For the last probably six months, nobody had asked me my name. Wow. And when I wow. said my name out loud, I remembered that I came from someone. And it was the impetus of my dad gave me that name. I need to do better, you know. And and so we always misunderstand. I don't mis um, underestimate our ability." to actually not only change a life, but save it. You give somebody a compliment into 7-Eleven. If that's all you got today, you do it. If you mm-hmm. can't put your own kids or your own partner, that's okay. I mean, let's start slow. But the people we love the most tend to be suspicious when we're kind. That just is remarkable to me. You send your partner a text today, or when I send my husband something, you know, I because uh, I'm thinking of him and I say, you know, I think you're such a great dad. Every time, I hope he's going to send back like a heart emoji or shit, but he sends back things like this. What did you buy? Because the people we love the most are suspicious yeah. when we're kind. We think we're so connected because we live in the same house or we, oh, you know, own the same company or do whatever. Right? Gosh, it is. I mean, they say this historically, right? Relationships take work, mm-hmm. and it is—it's never been more true in this season of so many exit ramps, so many other opportunities to to feel seen elsewhere. Yeah, but to be able to deepen it, to dig deep and be vulnerable with our friendships,
1: mm-hmm. you know is, man, it's a tough game these days. It sure is. Yeah. Well, okay. So, uh, uh, all right, we're going to need to do a part two. Your (laughs) book is called, let's talk about your book because it's called Feeling Seen. And can you tell us how we ended up feeling so unseen and lost really in a world that seems more connected than ever? Like we may have talked about this already, but like in terms of your book, is there anything else you want to add when you think about that question?
0: Yeah. The first half of the book is why we got so, why we're so fucked up. Mm -hmm. because you can't address what you don't acknowledge. And I think we want everything to be fine. You know, post pandemic, we're saying this all the time. We're good. It's good. It's over. We're good. You're good. Everybody's good because you want people to be good. You don't want your partner to be hurting. And when they're hurting, you want to fix it. And we lose this ability to acknowledge. And so I really lay out, you know, things like we've lost an emotional language. We, uh, racism is a major contributor. um, when we think about workplace burnout. When we, uh, after the last three years in our nations, stopped looking at each other for the physical safety of our communities, put masks on, it truly expedited this loneliness experience. And... I think our ability to regulate each other will never be automated. You will never automate relationship. You need, if you work from home, you need people. You need to get back into the office. You need to, you know, re-engage with the people. And when we've lost our skill in that way and we're chippy and exhausted, we're just assholes with each other. So then we stop mm-hmm. spending time, do we, you know? So we're in this cycle, I think. And, and the answer, again, comes back to this idea. You just do the next best right kind of thing. Do not underestimate your power to... Change the day of the people you love the most by just looking at them, by giving them a compliment. And even if they don't receive it, because it's not always predictable on how it's going to yeah. be received. The intention that doesn't matters. mean and
1: stop, stop do. doing it just because, you, yeah, it's just no. not always going to be received. Okay, no, but why you do it matters the why behind it is what matters. Yeah. Talk to us about like, if we're, someone's listening to this and they're really resonating and they're like, well, shit, you know, I've, I've lost my way and I I want to reconnect with the people that I love the most. Like I'm, I'm assuming that's like who you recommend starting with, like not, not maybe starting from scratch and like a whole new friendship list. Uh, but how do we find our way back to each other? So I think,
0: you know, the roadmap home is always through just understanding this idea of acknowledgement, but you matter more than anybody. And we often think about, okay, how am I going to salvage this relationship or what's going on with this person? Why can't they be more whatever? B-b-b-b-b-b-b. Our only focus, if I were to sort of, and I in consultation with organizations, I say this all the time, here's the three priorities, you, the people you work with, your teams, mm-hmm. and then the people you serve. Okay. So your clients, your whatever, right? In that order. Because truly, if you're not okay, if you're not regulated, your ability to give it away to even the people you love the most will be compromised. And so I think the self-care bullshit space has been really difficult to wrap our heads around because you can journal and fucking breathe all you want, but unless you're reconnected to yourself. So here's the three things I would suggest you reconnect to your people, your breath and your why on my best days, I am very clear on where I'm going. And if I stay the course, I do those three things beautifully. Some days I just drink wine, but Mm -hmm. on some on, on the good days, I'm reconnecting to my people and your people are defined as a very small subset of people who have broke behind those walls, who know you to the core, who are your biggest fans and will kick you in the ass. Okay. And I have five, my husband comes on and off the list. So sometimes there's four, but these are people, here's the criteria for your people. Okay. They make you belly laugh. They know your middle name. Mm-hmm. If a bra or makeup is required, they're not your fucking people. If you've ever said in the last little bit, like, oh my God, they didn't invite me to go golfing or they didn't invite me to, fuck them, they're not your people. These are the ones who show up no matter what. And I will tell you, one of my people, I write about her all the time. Her name is Ria. We met in our first year of college and we couldn't be more different. We had completely different career paths, but I have never, ever laughed so hard with anybody in my life every time I seen her even when we lived across the country she felt like coming home to me and she was my biggest fan and she would say to me often like stop swearing so much like Jesus Jody. like you can't look at this message we need to get like think about she would show up in church basements and you know left books all over the place for me and I gave I gave the Toast to the bride at her wedding. We rocked each other's babies to sleep. And I give the eulogy at her funeral, mm-hmm. uh, four years ago when she lost her battle to cancer. And when she died, I, when she was dying, I kept thinking, how oh am I going to do this without my people? Mm-hmm. And especially her. And I was reading Mitch Album's Tuesdays with Maury at the time. And in it, um, Maury taught Mitch that death ends a life, not a relationship. And that some of the people that, propel us to be our best selves are actually not even on this planet. And if they die, your best friend, they will always be your best friend. If they die, your mentor or your mom or somebody you want to make proud, you can take them with you all the time. And I, I mean, I, I think about this all the time because I talk to her more now than when she was here. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot, right? When I'm on a stage or when I'm away from my kids, if I wonder if I'm fucking up my, you know, my babies, I think about that all the time. How can you be a woman who is, you know, a CEO of your own company and doing amazing things in this first generation where women are not supposed to do these things. Yeah. We come with a lot of burdens, right? And I think about her all the time. And I think about, you know, what, what would you say to me? What would she want? If she could be here and show her babies how to live their dreams, What she, what would she be doing right now? And I'm like, i fucking got it for the both of us. You watch me. And so reconnecting to your people, I think, is a critical thing that has to happen every day. The second thing is reconnecting to your breath. And, you know, we did this a little bit, but I, you know, any of your listeners right now, whatever you're doing, you just drop your shoulders. I promise you, your shoulders will be up. Mm -hmm. So you drop them. Relax your jaw. Wiggle your toes. And let your gut out. And that's a relaxed body. And we don't spend it. We spend very little time here, especially if you have, you know, responsibilities or children or you know, you're worried about somebody or something, which we all are. We spend a lot of time like this. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I, you know, I talk a lot about these days is put a put a sticky note or a, a note in your phone that just says drop your shoulders yeah. on your bathroom mirror, in your car, on your computer. And when you ever see it, you just drop it. Because even before we get out of bed in the morning, we're scrolling. And we're like, oh fuck, I need to drink more collagen, or like, oh my god, we need family pictures, or like, Jesus Christ, that report, you know. And so, before we even get out of bed, it's like this, right? yeah. So the body keeps the score. Bessel van der Kolk wrote a book about this, and it's the my trauma Bible. Mm-hmm. The body keeps the score, and so when we really get reconnected to this place, it's a little bit about, you know, when I ask that question, where do you feel it? You never lose your ability to be amazing, but we often lose access to it. There's the difference huge.
1: Yeah. Okay. We are going to take one more break and then we get back. I want to talk to you about emotional language. Be right back. <laughs> Bills and other things to pay for don't just come bi weekly, and neither should your paycheck. The money you earn can be in your hands today with EarnIn. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for unexpected doctor visits, vet bills, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, "When I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind." Download Earnin today, spelled E A R N I N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It's really helpful to the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnincom slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You (laughs) need Shopify for retail. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing, starting on day 1. Plus Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com/noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com/noise to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/noise. Another thing that you talk about is emotional language. So how do we create an emotional language with the people? You know, just before the break, you were talking about about your people reconnecting with them. How do we do that? Because I think that a lot of my listeners, the reason I wanted to ask you this, because a lot of my listeners are the one personal development junkie in their circle, you know, either in their family or in their partnership or whatever it is. And they always ask me like, how do I get like, you know, so-and-so on board with this? So they they feel uncomfortable kind of approaching this. So what advice do you have about that in regard to emotional mm-hmm. language? Well, that's amazing. So um, here's part of the issue. Emotional language, emo-
0: naming emotions are necessary. Dan Siegel is a psychiatrist. He said this, you have to name it to tame it. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we don't have the emotional language to identify what we're feeling, it becomes really difficult. And historically, vag- women are much better at this than men. Okay. Mm-hmm. And not because we don't have the exact same emotions. Remember, we all started in exactly the same place. Yeah. But our ability to provide historically women with an emotional language happened because women became the nurturers, the the bearers of babies. Whereas because of brute and physical strength, men were setting up infrastructure in this world and fighting lions. Okay. Yeah. And so we've come from a lineage that says the women are the weak, soft skill kind of people Mm -hmm. and everybody else, the penises can do all the very important things. Okay. And I mean, very true. You walk into Toys R Us today or some toy store. It's very clear. Despite the fact that gender is a spectrum, there's a very clear delineation between the blue side where the penises go Mm -hmm. and the pink side where the vaginas go. And if you look in the blue side, there's things like guns and I'll shoot you and I'll get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I coach hockey in Canada and I hear this every time in dressing rooms. Boys, don't cry. Come on. You're good. What? Now, in the vagina side, there's lots of opportunities to express emotion, right? Food and nurturing and babies and Barbie dolls, and we figure shit out. Now, I don't give a shit. I have three kids, and they all choose to play with very different things. I don't care what your choice is. I have a hockey-playing phenom kid. But every single one of our heartbeats had the exact same emotional makeup. And if we have nowhere to put it, if we've had no ability to sort of say, this feels so disappointing, I feel like such a failure, honey. If I had, you know, happy, sad, and pissed off and you and I have a fight, that's all I have to, and you're like, what's wrong, Joe? What happened here? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just pissed off because I don't know how to tell you. And if you said to me, no, no, Joe, really what's wrong? If I had emotional language, I would just be like, "Andrea, I feel like I'm such a failure. I didn't show up for you. I couldn't, I couldn't have that conversation about you and your partner. And I, I avoided you and I feel like I've totally let you down, but I'm so sorry. I'm not avoiding you because I think you made a bad decision. I'm avoiding you because I think I didn't know what to say. Now, what that does for our relationship changes significantly because if I just said you're pissed off, fuck I'm done. Yeah. And you think about how many times, highest rate of suicide, I'll tell you this again, is middle-aged men. Why? Because they have nowhere to put it. And it becomes very difficult. And and we're now in this transition where women are like, listen, you fucking come to the table, Mm -hmm. but we're still very much here where they don't have the skill. Yeah. Not generally speaking, not because they don't have the, the, the feeling they, they feel very deeply and they're mortified. As you spoke about your ex- ex-husband, I mean, there was such a desperation to explain to you why. Mm-hmm. And it was because there were so many emotions there that right. were really legitimate, but crushing your soul was the one that was the hardest. Mm-hmm. And it's, They don't have the sometimes don't have the ability. And so it's very hard then for you to understand that when the ability to truly acknowledge your feelings is is really not present. Mm -hmm. And so I think that an emotional language also requires us to be in face to face connection with each other turning our cameras on, having in-person meetings, sitting down and chatting at the end of the day. We rarely do this because we're so inundated with emotion and information and we're exhausted. So we we give the kids the iPad. We both get on Netflix. Show. I mean, my personal husband and I fucking, in the end of the day, after I've single-handedly saved children in central Alberta and wrote another book and toured around the world, the last thing I fucking want to do is look at my husband. I want to learn how to launder money in the Ozarks. I want to <laughs> look at Jason I wanna... Bateman. Yes! <laughs> the expense of then I'm making assumptions about how he's feeling or what he's doing. And of course he's lonely. Of
2: mm-hmm. course
0: I'm disconnected. Of course I'm like, you don't fucking even know what's going on in my life. Who's, yeah. who's to blame for that? Because I'm too tired to tell you about it. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I asked you, I'm like, I, I but it, you asked like this, how is it? Like you asked like that. And I'm like, fuck you. I don't want to talk to you. Do you understand? So we get into this place where it's, it's very difficult. I, the exit ramp says we talked about at the beginning of the show is very they're very accessible. And the hardest thing we will do is look into the eyes of the people we love. Yeah. And so it has to be done on purpose these days.
1: Yeah. And I, I want to just kind of underscore that sort of like anecdote example that you gave because I think so many people can relate to that. It's that jockeying for who's got it harder in the relationship.
0: Okay. And this is place. I here's, know that here, place. Here's, <laughs> the behind here's the neurochemistry behind this. If you and I fall in love, I fall in love with you. Already community. done. Because, because you see me, because you make me feel seen. Okay, so on my second, on our third date, you know, if I think about this with my husband, it was very much like, "Oh my God, you you judge cattle around the world." Holy wow! Like, how did you do that? And you moved away from home at seventeen, and like, oh my gosh, oh my God, you guys have a family farm. I can't wait to come back. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm. He's got a pickup truck. He's fucking very beautiful. All these things are happening. He equally was like you. You work for the RCMP. You, you you work with kids in trauma. Like, oh my God, how'd you, when did you, where'd you get your PhD? He's in thrall. He's telling people about me. He can't wait to bring me home. He's so excited about it. He's my person. Mm-hmm. When I start to fall apart, I land into him. And of course he's happy to do that early in our relationship because he just, he's a, vice versa. I'm his person. Come on, tell me more. We got it. You're amazing. Now, the more you get invested with people, the harder it is if they're not okay. You want to just fix it because if they're not okay, you're not okay. Mm. So in the beginning, the thing that I love the most about him or you was that you had the ability to hold space for me and see me. And now you just want to fix me. Now you're like, oh my God, if you want to quit your job and quit it, because you're "Eh, eh, here here we are again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think you got it bad. I got puke in my bra. I don't know where the fucking twins are. And you're like, I'm so tired because I was feeding cows today. You know, do you understand? So what happens in intimate relationships often is you used to be my hero. You used to be the one that could hold space for me and help me feel seen. And now you just desperately need it from me. You want it from me all the time and I'm empty too. So then what What do we do is we start to find it elsewhere, which is true. Not one person can fill your bucket entirely. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's also one of the biggest mistakes I think we have in this world is that we do that in a way that it makes us understand that, you know, one person can't be everything for us. Yeah.
1: The big ask. It's a big ask. It is a big ask. Well, we have a few more minutes. And before we go, I want to ask you one more question because one of your chapters is called <laughs> uh, Be Kind and Don't Tolerate Bullshit in That Order. like that That's the title of it. So can you say more about that? Like why, like briefly explain what that chapter is about and why in that order? Yeah. So we come from a generation, many of us, where we've been raised to um, have
0: people show you respect first and then you'll be kind to them. You do the hard thing and then I will give you my friendship. Then I will give you my respect. Then I will give you the thing. You, you demonstrate your worth and then I fall in. You pee on the potty, you get a smarty.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a
0: very behavioral model. I want you to show me and then I respect you. Okay. I don't trust you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You demonstrate. But the hard part about emotional dysregulation and disconnect is you you lose access to those things. And so the old set of rules were. I mean, I, you know, I, I can get people to finish the sentence all the time. Like kids should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. We want you to be compliant and follow the rules and stay emotionally regulated. And then I will reward you the exact opposite now needs to be true. Because kindness matters most. People Giving people the benefit of the doubt. The ones who need it the most are the hardest to give it to. But it also doesn't mean that you let everything go. You do not tolerate bullshit. Not everybody needs a fucking medal. This is the dumbest thing. We don't want people to hurt and be sad. Futility is an experience that we all need to sit in. Sadness, rejection, emotion, all this. We need somewhere to put it. Mm-hmm. And if nobody walks me through that thing, if I if I take you to a soccer tournament and your kid loses every fucking game, their team loses every game, they should not get a medal at the end of it because they fucking participate. No,
1: you lost. You suck. This is sad. I know. You're going. Well, I would be nice to my kid about it. Like, good try, but you still lost.
0: <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we we really want to protect the bad emotions. Right. And we really label them as bad. They're not, they're, not. they're just emotions and mm-hmm. you need to feel them all. And so I think that's part of the issue for me is that like, how do we just really sit with each other in our wonderings and our pain and our musings and our disagreements and our interesting things. And, I, and it takes time Yeah. and it takes, it takes, I was going to say balls. It takes vaginas. It takes, it takes, ovaries. It takes Right. It really takes this ability to sort of carve out the time like this or listen to a podcast or do the things that we really tend to feel like we have so many other things on our plates these days. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that circles back to what you were saying earlier about how you know we just want our our kids and the people that we love the most to be happy. And it, I've had to really change my tune with that and say, like, that would be great. But I, I, what I really want is my kids to be resilient. Like, I want them to be able to, like, be able to emotionally regulate because that's something I never learned how to do, and I'm still learning it in my late 40s. Like, <laughs> what do I do with this in my body? It's weird. Yeah. Um, I've loved this conversation so much. I know I'm going to have to have you back on because we have so many more things to talk about. Is there anything that you want to circle back to, either to underscore or to add before we walk away so that you can feel complete.
0: Ah, uh, so I can feel complete. I guess my 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 the biggest thing that's on my heart these days is I just really if you're listening to this today just don't ever underestimate how much you matter to so many people. And you're enough just as you are. Just show up a little more often and you will single-handedly change your life and maybe even somebody else's.
1: Love that. And where can people, where do you want them to go to find you? We'll have the links um, in our show notes to your book and things like that. But what, where else do you want them to go for sure? Beautiful. Our website has tons of resources, uh, drjodicarrington.com and all over social media. I'd
0: love your community to be a part of mine.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Thank you everyone for listening. I'm so grateful for your time. I know it is a finite resource. So thank you for spending it with me and my guests. And remember it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. I am currently filling up my schedule for speaking gigs for fall 2023 and winter. So if you are somebody that works for a company or owns a company where you do events, you do sales kickoffs, things like that, and you need an amazing keynote speaker... I might be your girl. So if you head on over to andreaowen.com slash speaking, you can see more of my topics and my speaking reel. And also there's a contact page there. Even if you think that, oh, I can't afford somebody as amazing and as famous as Andrea Owen, (laughs) fill it out anyway. Let's hop on the phone. We may be able to work something out. If it is a perfect fit, I am more than happy to negotiate something that works for everyone. So andreaowen.com slash speaking.